You've heard of that song, Psalm 23. And that song that was just sung is very special to Cindy now. It was sung at our wedding, a marriage that almost didn't last two years. And here we are working on 56. That's the grace of God. That's the good shepherd. And so we're so thankful and love you more than I've ever loved you. We're not very expressive. I know you're all in a state of shock. But. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. That's in that, that's a, Brother Dan, that's the title. <laughs> I shall not want. Another translation has it this way. The Lord shepherds me I shall never be in need because the Lord is my shepherd I have everything I need our father we bless you we praise you for the wonderful wonderful reality of the psalm that we've just read bring it home afresh to all of our hearts And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I would assume that many of you realize that this is a confession of faith. This is the testimony of the psalmist. And there is something that comes before this confession. The Lord is my shepherd. We don't naturally come walking on the scene, running down an aisle or raising our hand and saying, I'm lost. I need a shepherd. Have you ever gotten, been going somewhere in traveling and you stop and ask for directions and you say, uh-huh, 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 and you take off and you say, what did he say? A great grace revelation, a deep revelation from God came to David the shepherd boy. I am a wayward sheep. You don't need a shepherd if you're not a wayward sheep. And we know that all, that the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, but that doesn't mean that everybody out there believes that. Most people don't believe it. If you've come to a point in your life of knowing and believing and confessing, I was a wayward sheep. Now I'm a saved sheep, but I still wander. But to make that confession, to to have that deep in your soul, I need a shepherd. And then to have the revelation... For us in this New Testament era, his name is Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Has that revelation ever gripped you? Come home to your heart. Now, for the Christian, this psalm is also a deep confession of dependence 
All through the psalm here, we are seeing the key reality of living the Christian life. It is a life of dependence, deep dependence. And what does that look like? The best place I can take myself and you to understand what it looks like to live a life of dependence upon Jesus is to look at Jesus. The man Christ Jesus never ceased to be God, became a man, and lived in utter, absolute dependence upon his Father for all things. For he said twice, without my Father, I can do some things. No. Without my Father, I can do nothing. He lived his life in absolute dependence, and he showed it so clearly when Satan comes on the scene and starts to tempt him. The word of God's hid in his heart. He doesn't rely upon himself. He doesn't have to come up with a strategy. He just speaks forth the word of God. We are to walk in those same paths. Verse 2 He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. We'll call attention to this again, but you'll notice in the first few verses the word he comes up again and again. He's giving testimony of what the shepherd has done and is doing for him. He is describing close communion. The the deep dependence, another way to look at it, it is close communion with Jesus Christ the Good Shepherd. Close communion with Jesus, the Good Shepherd, will cause deepening of trust. You you don't trust deeply someone who's merely an acquaintance. But someone that you know intimately, that you have fellowship with, you spend time with. Along with that process comes a growing trust. Casual acquaintance doesn't build trust. It's vital for you and I to stay close to the shepherd. We've all heard that the safest sheep is the one who's closest to the shepherd, and that's true. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. If close communion with Jesus is neglected, we become anxious. We become fearful. We become restless. We, be, we begin to take things into our own hands. I've read that sheep that are not well fed do not rest. They, they only rest when they're well fed. And if you and I will think about our lives, when we are feeding upon the word of the Lord, feeding upon fellowship with him, and also gaining some of that as we fellowship one with another, we are at peace. We have wisdom and grace about making decisions. We are emotionally and spiritually well. But when we find ourselves troubled and fearful and confused and bitter and resentful, it's not because so-and-so did so-and-so or didn't do so-and-so. They may have done all of that. But the problem is not them. 
I need to hear and understand that I'm manifesting a spirit of one who has wandered away from close communion with Jesus. Am I cultivating my walk with the Lord? Am I in close communion with him? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's not just having a Bible says, not just listening or preaching a sermon. It is having the word of God to dwell in us richly. You know, it's, it's a, a blessing that we take for granted, but we should not take for granted that that the great blessing of the Christian life, one of the great blessings, of course, maybe the great blessing, is that we have the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He is our master teacher. He is living within us. And we don't, we don't win spiritual battles apart from him. And when he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and Colossians 3.16, it's the same as found in Ephesians, different wording, but it's the same truth. Don't be drunk with wine, we're in success, but be ye being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, this is breathed out. This is a unique book. It's breathed out by the Holy Spirit. And so I need to let it dwell within me. Uh, again, Jesus did not win his spiritual battles apart from the Father, apart from the Word. It is written. The psalmist, and we were talking about some of this in our Sunday school class this morning, but the psalmist spoke truth to himself. He commanded himself. We're, we're in Romans uh, 6 in, about uh, confessing yourself dead to sin and alive to God. And you said, but I don't feel dead. We're not talking about your feelings. We're talking about saying, teaching yourself, speaking to yourself that which God says. God says, you're dead to sin and alive to God. You don't wait till you feel that way. And it doesn't mean that you have no, you no longer have any capacity to sin. It means that sin shall no longer have dominion and rule over you. You don't have to sin. I don't have to say yes to that. The temptation comes and I'll say, God forbid. And not so much pointing to that as I'm telling myself, God forbid. I'm doing like the psalmist. Why are you cast down? Hope thou in God. Many of our doldrums come from listening to ourselves talk. You ever listen to yourself talk? A lot of the time. And then we wonder why we're in the slow of despond, whatever that word is. The mire of despond. Why are we sinking? Listening to ourselves talk. Rather than commanding ourselves to listen to God. Close communion has to do with listening to the Good Shepherd. In verse 3, he says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The pulpits and the pews are filled with people today, sadly, who don't think that righteousness is very important. When you're walking with the shepherd, you'll be walking in paths of righteousness. 
That's how you can know if you're walking close to the shepherd. It's, it's, it's righteous paths. It's godly paths. It's, it's good paths. And uh, again, go back to remember that the first thing he gives the restored soul is, first of all, those who are outside of Christ and come into Christ, he gives life. And then we can talk about the continual restoring process in the life of the Christian. But we start, we all start with the same problem. Uh, as Isaiah said, we all like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then we find that Jesus says he came to seek and to save the lost. Are you saved this morning? Do you know why you're saved? He sought you. He bought you. He quickened you. Salvation is of the Lord. All praise to him. It was not your good idea. It was not that you were smarter than your neighbor. God gave revelation. God gave revelation of your sinfulness. God gave revelation of the glory of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Lost sheep don't find their way home. They have to be sought. And we've all heard the stories of, and I think I've shared recently, of watching a, a video of a sheep that was stuck in a trench. It must have been four or five feet deep and, and just wide enough for the sheep to fall in it, but not all the way to the bottom of it. And so he's uh, wiggling his legs and can't go up or down. He's stuck. And so this man comes along and gets him out. He puts him out and the sheep starts running away and the ditch is a long ditch. What you could see on the video was about the length of this building. He runs about 20 feet back in the ditch. Just like he was. All oh, we like sheep have gone astray. And until Jesus saves us, we go from one ditch to the other. When Jesus saves us, we have a new mind. We have the mind of Christ. We're no longer, we don't, maybe don't like this word, but we don't, we're no longer stupid. We have a new mind. The mind of Christ. God sought you. One of the ways he seeks us, a common way he seeks us, he sends some of his other born-again sheep after us, and they shared the gospel with us. They modeled the gospel with us. They modeled the new life that they have in Christ. They came and shared the words of the gospel with us. And if you're here this morning as a Christian, that's how God wants to use you. That's his will for us. It's not just for the pastor or for the deacons or a Sunday school teacher. We have this incredible calling, Christian, just like the woman at the well. She didn't have a soul-winning course. She had a soul-transforming experience with Jesus Christ. And she went, come see a man who told me all I ever did. And so we're given this high calling. You might look around and you look at the news and look at the people you know and say, you know, I'm not much. I don't have a big high-paying job and I don't live in a fancy house and, and this and this and this. And, 
and maybe I'm better than this one. None of that's reality. You know what's reality? Christian, you are a laborer together with God. You plant gospel seed, you water gospel seed, and he gives the increase. I don't have to try to make the increase. I don't have to conjure up the increase. I don't have to uh, give someone a gospel track and then I proclaim them saved just because I've given them a gospel track or they've repeated what I've told them to repeat. No, we plant, we water. It may be a long process. It may be heaven before you realize that gospel seed that you planted was a part of what God used in this one or this one or some other one. Never underestimate what God is doing. Divine grace, grace alone, is the only thing that can bring a lost sheep home. But he's ordained, he commands, that we be those who, along with Jesus, labor for those who are yet to become sheep. Are there lost sheep in your world? Do you head that way? Sure they are. And in the midst of them, who's there? You are. And I am. So, but how would I recognize a potential sheep? That's not your business. All they have to do is be a human. So that made that simple. Go out, live, proclaim, live a gospel lifestyle, tell the gospel with words to anyone and everyone. At the moment, you might come back and say, well, I shared the gospel, but he ain't going to become a Christian. He's out killing Christians, you know, like Saul of Tarsus. God has not called us to pass any kind of judgment about one. who's going to become a sheep, who isn't going to become a sheep. He says, go and tell the gospel to everyone. You could have someone like Nicodemus, who's quite a different person, but still a lost sheep needing to be born again. So we need to focus on planting gospel seed, watering it. God gives the increase. Now, you know, we, God has created us in such a way that we can have a lot of wonderful experiences and a lot of things that uh, we have good memories about. And when family gets together, a lot of times we share those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let's grow in something. I don't know where I first got this statement, but listen carefully. The best times that you will ever have on the way to heaven, you are on the way to heaven, aren't you? Are when you and I, as God's children, encourage one another along the way with glorious talk about the shepherd, about lost sheep found, about lame sheep healed, about seeking lost sheep or rescuing a wayward lamb. The best time you'll ever have. When's the last time you've had that sort of conversation? When you gathered and you just talked about the shepherd. Oh, what a shepherd. 
The Lord is my shepherd. Here's what God has done for me. He's led me through green pastures and still waters. Oh, but there were a lot of the times it was in the midst of enemies. And I didn't think I would make it. And yet here I am. It's interesting that there's a... Can you find anything? About the only thing that most people know about Malachi... Is there something in there about tithing? And uh, as someone said in the New Testament era, it might be a good place to start, but it's a bad place to end. The focus in the New Testament is about giving generously unto the Lord. But here's a glorious verse in Malachi. And it's one of those 3.16 verses. Malachi 3.16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Mark down Malachi 3.16 and go home and let's meditate on it and, and get lined up for, the, for blessing. To speak often with other brothers and sisters about the Lord. To be those who fear, who reverence him, who think on his name. One of the incredible great revelations scattered throughout the whole book are the names of God. When's the last time we meditate on some of that? Great conversation to brothers. Now, this is the time of year for football. Some people are more excited than others. I have no problem. I uh, I like to watch after they've played and I know who won and I don't have to worry about anything. I either, and I, I like the summers. I don't want to watch the whole thing. I don't want to watch, I don't want to watch the, all the ads. Uh, summarize a game in 10, 15, 20 minutes. I've got it. I'm good. Now, if you're different, that's fine. But my, my question is to you and to me is, when are our times of gathering like this and sharing with each other about reverence for the Lord and, and speaking often to one another to encourage one another or to uh, have that glorious talk about the shepherd, about lost sheep found, lame sheep healed, seeking lost sheep and rescuing the wayward. This is core essential because sheep don't come home on their own. They have to be sought. So the good shepherd gives grace unto salvation and then guidance once we're saved. And in verse 4, he gives courage and comfort. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. How would you like this translation? What if this was true? Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, then Jesus will meet me on the other side. Well, that'd be pretty good. I mean, after all, Jesus is going to be the one who meets you. But he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For 
I'm a Baptist. Or I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a this, I'm a that. Thou art with me. Someone had a meeting with one of the previous popes, and he asked him about his testimony of being saved. And the pope looked at him and said, I, I have 700 million Catholics praying for me. Hmm. What darkness. But then there are others every bit as dark because they're trusting being a Baptist or a Pentecostal or Charismatic or a Methodist or Episcopalian or whatever. Am I trusting the shepherd? Notice this is the point of transition. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. He's gone from giving testimony about the good shepherd. Now he is talking to the good shepherd. It's wonderful to all those verses that says he, he does this, he does this, he does this. It's glorious. But now he talks to the shepherd himself. Thou art with me. I have comfort and courage because the shepherd is with me. How precious is the great gospel of the good shepherd. Thou art with me. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is an incredible psalm. It takes you through all the experiences of life. Good, bad, and indifferent. There's rest, refreshment, there's grace and guidance, there's courage and comfort. And in verse 5, there's protection and blessing. You say, well, you're skipping some of the good parts. We're not, uh, we'd take a lot more time to, if we got into all the details, but we're getting enough here from these verses to see what a grand treasure. You may have this on, in a plaque on a wall. That's fine. But get alone, open your Bible, get into it, and have some fellowship with the shepherd and receive some instruction from him. That's where the blessing is going to be. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. You know, sometimes you can look back and, and, and the, in the moment you're going through something and you don't think you're going to make it. And it just almost overwhelmed. And then later you look back and you say, wow, Lord, you were my shepherd during that. I've got a story that I've shared before and I'll never tire of sharing it. Uh, it's about an event that took place with Ira D. Sankey. Remember him? A few of you. He was a musician and went around with uh, D.L. Moody in Crusades. Well, on one particular night, December 24th of a particular year, he was traveling by steam, steamboat on the Delaware River. And people began to realize that, oh, our Sanka is on board. Would you sing for us? Well, it was December 24th. 
So he thought, I'll do a carol about the Lord's birth. And then, strangely, he sung what we sung, what uh, Tia sung a while ago, what we were saying at the end of the message. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. It's called the shepherd's song. When he got through singing it, if you want to be meditating on it by looking at Psalm 61, it's in your hymn book. When he got through singing it, it seemed like every heart was touched. And a few moments later, a rough-looking gentleman came up to him and said, Mr. Sankey, were you ever in the Union Army? Why, yes, I was. Well, I was in the Confederate Army. And in the spring of 1860, do you remember being on guard duty on a particular bright sunlit night in 1862? Surprise? Sanka said, yes, I, I, I do remember that. The man said, well, I remember it too. Again, I was not in the Union Army as you were. I was in the Confederate Army, and I was hid in the bushes. And I had my gun cocked, aimed at your head. You're as sure as dead. And all of a sudden, just there on guard duty, you begin to sing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. I've always loved music. I thought to myself, this man who's in my sights, my finger is on the trigger. I'll let him sing his song and kill him after that. But the song you sang that night was the song that you just sang on this boat. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. I, I remember every line. We are thine, do thou befriend us. Be the guardian of our way. The word stirred my heart. My mother used to sing that song to me. She died early, and I've lived a life far on the wrong side. And on that night, when you were on guard duty, when you finished singing, it was impossible for me to pull the trigger. My hand fell limp, and I put the gun down. And I thought, the Lord who is able to save a man from certain death must be a mighty God. So I went off into the night. And since that day, I've continued to wander far. And here again tonight, I've heard that same song. I recognized you. Would you help me find cure for my sin-sick soul? The historical account says that Arasenke threw his arms around the man who had been his enemy and who was ready to kill him, except for the shepherd's intervention. And the two men knelt down 
And by means of the gospel, this stranger came into the saving care of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. I want us to think about this story. In a thousand ways that we may, we may never know, Jesus has protected you and I to this day, or we wouldn't be here. And he blesses us with protection because there's someone in our world that he wants us to be a blessing to. Be careful to praise God in the midst of everyday duty. Sankey had not been asked to sing that night. He was just out on, on duty. And from his heart, he, he lived in close communion with Jesus, the Good Shepherd. So it would be natural for a song to come. You say, well, I can't sing. Well, you can say praise. You don't get out. While on duty, just a heart overflowing with fellowship with the Lord and begin to, in his case, sing praise to God. We never know who's watching. We never know who's listening. But for Sankey that night, because of being in close communion with Jesus, a song of praise burst forth, all while he did not know that a man was in the bushes ready to kill him. Be careful to praise God in the everyday issues of life. You don't know who's watching. It could save their life. It could save yours. And if a sovereign God allows someone to pull the trigger, as it were, and sorrow of some sort rips your heart, guard your heart, Stay even closer to the shepherd. There's probably more people watching. How many people have watched now for thousands of years as the scriptures open up to us and we walk with Job? And when you plow through all of that, and earlier on you say, I, I know how he felt. I feel the same way. And when it's all said and done, God gets your attention and brings you to your knees in repentance and restoration and fellowship with him. If God allows something to get on your plate, God has a purpose in it. It's not an accident. So as God continues to seek to save sinners, he's chosen to do it through us. And the opening door may be through a hymn we sung or through forgiving when the whole world and our own flesh cries, cries out, pay him back. As God puts you in a hard place, he puts... Joseph in a hard place, didn't he? 
God did it. The Psalms in Psalm 105 records it this way. He, speaking of God, sent a man before them, before Israel, even Joseph, who was sold as a slave, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. Whatever is on your plate or mine, the Lord is trying us. He is testing us. He is getting off of us that which is not like Jesus. Draw upon the grace of God. There's a miracle awaiting to be happened on behalf of others. The good shepherd himself was anointed with oil of gladness above all others, and yet he was also acquainted with grief. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints my head with oil. We've read the stories of many missionaries, and their greatest triumphs came out of the most difficult circumstances, and they look back and they had the anointing of the Spirit of God upon them for the trial, not for the easy place. The shepherd gives rest and refreshment, grace and guidance, courage and comfort, protection and blessing, and last of all, goodness and glory. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's a good shepherd. He goes before his sheep. His goodness and mercy follows us. He has us surrounded, front and back. I forget the man's name. I didn't write it down in the notes. But many hundreds of years ago, a man wrote a testimony of praise about the Lord. I've changed the words to use the word shepherd. This is a call for us to rest and rejoice in our good shepherd and to be bold in him because as Christians, we have the power of the shepherd to guide us the might of the shepherd to uphold us, the wisdom of the shepherd to teach us, the eye of the shepherd to watch over us, the ear of the shepherd to hear us, the word of the shepherd to speak to us, the hand of the shepherd to protect us, the way of the shepherd lies before us, the shield of the shepherd shields us, the angels of the shepherds defends us, the shepherd is with you, he is before you, he's behind you, he's within you, he's beneath you, he's above you. He is at your right hand. He is at your left hand. He is beneath and in front and above and all around and in your heart. With him you can face anything. Because Jesus is your good shepherd. You're on a journey. And sometimes that journey, praise the Lord, is still waters and green pastures. That's good. But you know what we do. We look around at others and they're getting more still waters and green pastures than I'm getting. I'm getting too many troubles. Never measure yourself by someone else. 
I don't know how to figure any of that out. But the psalm in Psalm 23 tells us that where there's green pastures, still waters, or in the presence of enemies, he is there. That's what's important. He'll never leave you. So in view of these mercies, I beseech you, I beseech, beseech my own heart, let us go forth today presenting our bodies a living sacrifice unto God because of the good shepherd. If you're here lost, we all like sheep went astray. The Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Jesus continues to seek to seek lost sheep. Cry out to him, flee to him. Dear Christian, get close to him. Stay close to him. For grace and guidance, for comfort and courage, for blessing and protection, for goodness and mercy, for glory to come. So do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap. Now, Father, we ask for the grace of the Lord to receive this wonderful psalm that we are so familiar with, and yet we may be quite shallow in our experience of it. Deepen our experience of this wonderful, wonderful truth of Jesus, our Good Shepherd. Those who are outside of Christ, draw them to yourself. Those who have recently confessed faith in Christ, uh, may there be fresh rejoicing and we rejoice with them as we share in the glory of what you have done. We thank you that you are the Savior who is our Good Shepherd.